So, welcome to Hope. Um, on our first ever attempt at videoing and live streaming, and this uh, this is a whole new ball game for us. So, if it all goes a bit mad, just ask you to bear with me, bear with us, and see how this goes. Uh, we're really just trying it out this morning. But we want to say welcome to Hope. I'm so delighted that you've decided to join us online. Um, if you're just listening to this podcast, you're actually watching us online. You are so welcome on today, which is Mother's Day here in Ireland. And I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all of our mammies in Hope. Um, you are amazing to all of you mammies who have done everything you can for your kids. And the kids are wild and they're going mad and they're driving you nuts. Just thank you for putting all that effort into them. If Mammy's Day is a day that really just, for some people, it causes more pain than, than joy, or maybe you've just lost your mammy, or maybe you weren't been able to be a mammy, or whatever's gone on around that thing, we just pray that God would give you healing and peace and grace in that situation, and that you would get to enjoy this day. Even if you're separated from everybody, and you're locked in a little room, and you're not allowed out, and whatever, we just want to say happy Mother's Day. This is Sunday. This is the Lord's Day. And we just want to celebrate with you. I came across this little um, picture the other day. And I don't know if you can see it on the screen. And it says, ma'am, last week everyone jumped off the cliff. But I didn't go. So happy Mother's Day. So some kid somewhere listens. Because um, how many times did you hear your mammy saying, if all your friends put a hand in the fire, would you be putting your hand in the fire too? So these are the, the wisdoms of Irish mammies. There's tons of stuff on the internet. You want to go look it up. Um, enjoy your day. I do hope that you get, even if it's only by phone, but you get to connect with people that you love today. Amen. Um, we have been looking, <coughs> excuse me, at a series called The Swap Shop over the last number of weeks. Started a couple of weeks ago with Jordan, teaching us around changing worry for trust and having a trust in God instead of getting all caught up and worrying like the world is. And this was before the, the coronavirus blew into what it is now even. And then the week after that, I was talking about fear and how God wants to give us peace and not have us trapped in this fear that's just paralyzing us and stopping us being able to move forward. And last week, we talked about how God wants us to move from living in darkness to living in light. And if we moved into that place, what differences would that make in our life? And every week, we try to kind of get something practical and something realistic that can change how your life is and make it better we're called to become like jesus we're called to be disciples of jesus that's followers that means that we're called to allow him to change us into being more like him every single day and so what we're doing here in this series is going what can i swap that is brian that is brian from all his life what can i swap that jesus can teach me difference. Because he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So if you're feeling weary and burdened, here's the place to go for rest. Jesus says, give me your burdens, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. And this is the bit where we're really trying to zone in on it over these couple of weeks, is that we have an opportunity to learn a different way of living to the way Jesus lives, or to the way we live up to now, sorry. That we can learn to live the way Jesus wants us to live. Because he's gentle and humble in heart, and he will give us rest 
for our souls if we will just let him do that. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I spoke about this, about what we talk about yokes and stuff like that. But this is going to come up as we talk about this morning because we want to talk about not being trapped with a yoke of slavery. We want to talk about freedom. We want to talk about giving up. As I said, we looked at worry for trust. We looked at fear for faith. We looked at darkness for light. Today we want to look at blame and bondage being swapped for forgiveness and freedom. And so many of us get caught up in this whole thing of a blame game. And what is blame? Blame is when something goes wrong in the world and I pass judgment onto someone else over it and I don't take responsibility. And I say, it's all their fault that this happened. I don't want to be blamed for this. This is the thing that you hear over and over and over again. Who are we going to blame for this? Who's to blame for this? Whose fault is it? There has to be someone that can be blamed for what has gone on in the world. And it's not <coughs> its not useful. And when we get caught up in judging and blaming other people, then we get caught up and we get into a bondage with it. And we get this ball and chain that we end up dragging around all of the time. Because blame doesn't set us free. It traps us. Blame leads us into bondage. And I'm going to explain that a little bit later on. But where the blame came Blame is around since the beginning of time. In the beginning of the scriptures, God made the world. In seven days, he made this beautiful planet and everything in it. And he put Adam and Eve in that planet to tend the garden. And he gave them one job well, he gave them a job to tend the garden, but he gave them one rule. In the whole garden, they could do whatever they wanted, have whatever they wanted, be whatever they wanted, do whatever they wanted, just one rule. There's a tree there, don't eat stuff off of it. Now, tradition tells us it's an apple tree. I don't know if it was an apple tree or a pear tree. It doesn't matter what it was. It could have been a plum tree, but they weren't to eat the fruit from this tree. But lo and behold, what did they do? They eat the fruit. And then God comes looking for them. And when God finds them and he's talking to them, he says, did you eat the tree? Did you eat the fruit from the tree I told you not to eat? And instead of just going, yeah, I did, Adam goes, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So Adam immediately goes, it's her fault. Actually, Adam goes, it's your fault because you gave me her and she gave me the fruit. So Adam's not taking any responsibility. He's going, God, you caused all of this and you gave her to me. And then she turns around and she goes, <coughs> sorry, then God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman goes, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So she then blamed the serpent. Now there's an old joke that says, when God said to Adam, what you do? Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, and the snake hadn't got a leg to stand on. But here's the thing, blame, at the end of the day, didn't get any of them anywhere. They didn't take any responsibility. They didn't take anything that would change their life, except make it worse, because they just wanted to blame other people. Jesus talked about this when he spoke to people about how they were behaving with each other. They were judging each other. They were blaming each other. They were going, hey you, look at what you're doing. What's going on in your life? But all the time their own lives were just in as much of a mess. He said in Matthew 7, he said, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? It's like I've gone around and I'm doing all this kind of mad stuff. I just stole 
There's a great story in the scripture too about forgiveness where the master forgives this man's debt. And this man owed him, say, a million quid. And the master has let him off with this million quid. And then he goes out and he sees somebody who owes him a hundred euro. And he's choking your man and gets him thrown in prison because he wouldn't pay him the hundred euro that he hadn't got. But yet he had been forgiven a million from his master. And Jesus is saying to these people as well, look at you, you're looking at like a tiny speck in that person's thing and you're saying, there this, did, 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 pointing the finger, pointing the finger, pointing the finger, blaming them for being bad. And all of the time, you've got a log in your head. You've got to stop looking at everyone else and blaming them. And you've got to go, <coughs> what is going on for me? Here it says, how can I take the speck out of the eye? When you've got a log in my own eye. Jesus said, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. First examine yourself. So instead of Adam going, God, you gave me the woman, the woman gave me the fruit, it's your fault, it's not my fault, Adam could have gone, you know what, God? You gave me the woman. And the serpent deceived her and she got the fruit. But I should have said no. But I didn't. And I'm sorry. And there's a place there where we can get freedom even by just acknowledging the fact that we've done something wrong. And God, I'm sorry, God. And just accepting responsibility for what we've done. And it's not always about blame. In Romans, it tells us we don't have any excuse, every one of us who judge. For in passing judgment on another, we condemn ourselves because you, the judge, practice the very same things. You see, there is something about us blaming other people for doing stuff and not being willing to look at what's going on in our own lives. There is something about us not being good are taking responsibility, <coughs> holding ourselves to account, repenting and turning around and changing. But instead of that, we blame other people. And when we blame other people, we end up in a prison. And this prison is, 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 is huge. It can be an enormous prison because it can keep us trapped for many years. But God didn't come But Jesus didn't come to leave us sitting in a prison. Jesus came to set us free. And in Galatians 5.1 it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. No longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery is the bondage of blame and unforgiveness. The pathway to freedom is true forgiveness. You see, Eve did something wrong. She listened to the snake and she took the fruit. And instead of Adam going, don't do that, honey, and and let's ask God to forgive you, and I forgive you, or whatever, he just blames. He just blames. And that didn't help. And the reality of it is, they lost their place in the garden. They lost so much. They left the whole world then condemned to live in a different way to God's original plan for it. And this is going slightly different to what I thought. But here's the thing. God does not want us living in a world where we live with blame and unforgiveness. And we live in a prison and we live trapped. He wants us to be free. Now there are people who have done things on you and they're not good. 
They've hurt you. They've offended you. They've really messed you about. Whatever it is. But we are called to forgive. We are called to forgive. And that is not an easy process. I know that. I know forgiving people is not easy. (coughs) But it is a way. And it's the only way that we can stop the past holding us prisoner. Because unforgiveness traps us in the pain of our past. It just traps us. Holding on to anger and bitterness and hatred and feelings of vengeance is like me drinking poison and wanting the other person to die. Nelson Mandela said that. It's like you, you, you just you, you drink a bottle of poison and you're going, oh, I hope he dies because he deserves to. And you remember a few weeks ago I was talking about fear and how it disguises itself. It disguises itself as different things, but it's still fear underneath it all. Sometimes unforgiveness disguises itself. And you end up feeling justified in, in, in not forgiving somebody because you think you have power over someone else. And it's disguised thinking that you're not getting hurt. So I hold on to this grudge. I'm not forgiving them. They don't deserve forgiveness. I'm not letting them away with that. But the reality is you think that's putting power over them and it's not hurting you. But that's the exact opposite of the truth. You have no power. You have given all your power away to the person who hurt you. And you are continuing to hurt yourself. Every time you play, <coughs> every time you play the video in your head of what happens, you relive the pain. And as you do that, generally speaking, the pain gets worse. It grows inside of us. <coughs> blame and unforgiveness are connected. So we blame them, we don't forgive them, and we get caught up in this whole thing. And listen, sometimes people are to blame. They have done wrong things. I'm not saying they haven't. I'm not saying they haven't done something wrong on you. I'm not saying they haven't hurt you. But you don't need to let them have that power going on in your life for the rest of your life. <coughs> you see, you might confront somebody who's hurt you. You might go, hey, listen, you did this. You done that. And they go, no, I didn't. Or they might go, yes, I did. But there's nothing I can do to change that now. Or I'm not willing to change that now. Then what do you do with that hurt? (coughs) See, the problem with unforgiveness and blaming other people is it can leave us powerless. All your feelings are legitimate. If someone has hurt you, you need to allow yourself the chance to go through the feelings of pain. You need to allow yourself the chance to go through what it will take to feel it, to let it go through and to let it become real for you and then to forgive it and see God heal you from it and see you get released from it. There are many people that you can look to as examples for forgiveness who had Awful things happen to them. There's a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. There's a book and a movie called The Hiding Place. She was a Dutch lady. She was only a child, actually. Her father hid some Jews in the house. They were all taken into a prisoner of war camp in the Second World War. Her father died. Her sister died. They'd done horrendous things to them. She had an awful time of it. She got released eventually. And then she got an opportunity to either live in a life of bitterness... Or to live in a life of forgiveness and freedom. 
And she chose forgiveness and freedom. And she traveled the world preaching forgiveness and freedom afterwards. There's videos on YouTube. You can check her out. Cody Tamboom is her name. There was another man called Ozzy who was also a Holocaust survivor. And he, <coughs> excuse me, went around talking about, and he didn't go around shouting about being a Christian, right? And he just went around saying, forgiveness was the way forward. I saw too many of the people I was in prison with, in that, in that concentration camp with, and they lived with bitterness and unforgiveness, and inside of them it just grew into hatred, and they died bitter and broken. They were consumed with anger and rage. But those who forgave went on to live much more productive lives. Oprah Winfrey. I think everybody knows about Oprah or who she is. And the reality of it is, like, you look at her, she's successful, she's innovative, she's hardworking, she's a billionaire. This woman's done something right for her life, okay? And if you look at her now and you think, oh, wow, Jeannie Mac, she's got a great life, okay? You may agree with her point of view, you may not. You may like her stories, you may like her shows and telly, you may not. Leave all of that to one side just for a minute. When we look at someone's life like that, we tend to just walk in on one chapter. So I see... I see a program on telly and Oprah says something and I do like it or I don't like it and I kind of go, oh, and I judge the whole thing based on that one chapter. And the reality of it is that is not, that is not right. It's not a whole life. If you look at me this morning, <coughs> this is the first time you've seen me um, or the first time you've heard me and you might go, eh, I don't like him or I do like him or whatever. You, you don't know the rest of my life. I don't know the rest of yours. When I meet you, I need to try and find out a bit more about you before I start making decisions about whether I want to be with you or not. When I worked in the prison for many years, one of the things I always tried to do when I was going to meet a new person I was going to be working with, a new prisoner, was I tried not to find out what they were in prison for. Because it always coloured my judgement of them. Now, I met some people who were in prison for awful things, and I met some people who were in prison for silly things. But I always tried to meet them as a human being first. Just meet them and go, you're a man, you're a woman, what's your story, what's happened? And then, yes, you did this crime. And even the people who did horrendous things, many of them were really nice people and they were just in really bad circumstances and did something really bad. I'm not taking away from the pain they caused. I'm just saying, there's still people that God loves. And there's still people who have a whole life. They don't only have that one little section. Back to Oprah for a second. Oprah <coughs> grew up. She was born to a teenage mother. Raised in absolute poverty. Partially by her grandmother. At the age of nine she was raped by a 19 year old cousin who was babysitting her. She was sexually abused by a family friend. Her mother's boyfriend and her uncle. And when she was 14 she gave birth to a baby who was two months premature, who only survived for two weeks and died. This woman had a lot of stuff going on in her life. A lot of stuff happened to her. A lot of stuff was done to her. She had a lot of people she could blame for spending the rest of her life miserable and bitter and angry, but she didn't. In one of her life classes, she met a man. Harold was his name. And this is what she says. She says, after 25 years and more than 30,000 guests, it was one man's definition of forgiveness that changed my life. In her interview, she said, Harold, you mentioned that the secret to finding true happiness is forgiveness. What do you mean by that? 
Harrow responded, it really means letting go of the past. It really means letting go of our perception that we need to hold the grievance for the rest of our lives. If we really want to hold on to grievances, we're never really going to be happy. It's a willingness to see the person in the light of love rather than in the action that happens. So it's really changing the perception and it really means letting go of the past that we thought we wanted. You know, we can't really change the past, so it means really releasing the negative perception of it and coming back to the present. Oprah then said, there was a transcendent moment for me, bigger even than something that went, "Uh uh-huh. He said, forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could be any different. I think for myself, and I know for many of you, that you think forgiving means accepting what has happened to you. Well, it, it is accepting that it has happened to you, but it's not accepting that it was okay to happen. It's accepting that it has happened, but now what do I do about it? <coughs> forgiving is giving up the hope, not holding on or hope and wishing that it could have been any other way than it actually was. Giving up the hope that the past could be any different. And when I got that, this is Oprah speaking, when I got that, I think it took me to the next level of being a better person. Because I don't hold grudges for anything or any situation. And neither should you. It's letting go of the past so that the past does not hold you prisoner. And it does not hold you hostage. And it does not hold you in bondage. The past can't be changed. No matter how much you spend your energy or time wishing it could. It can't. It is what it is. When you haven't forgiven those who've hurt you, you turn your back on your future. Terry LaPerry said, when you forgive, you begin to walk forward. But when you don't forgive, you get stuck in your past. Forgiveness is the way and the means by which we do not pull the past into the now, into the present moments, and we stop projecting it into our future. It's the one significant way we can free ourselves for living in bondage and emotional pain. Now, forgiving is hard, and I'm not trying to say it isn't. Forgiving can be really hard. I remember a very specific situation in a church situation where someone said, you need to pray for those people and you need to forgive them. And I said, I do pray for them. I pray for a brick to fall out of heaven and kill them, which wasn't exactly what they were trying to get me to do. I needed to forgive them. To forgive them, that took time. But it was a decision. It is like at the beginning of our services, (coughs) we use a video of the bell here. And when you pull on that bell, it bangs, bangs, bangs. And if you keep pulling, it keeps banging. But if you let go of the rope, every bang gets a little bit softer. Every bang gets quieter until eventually it stops. And forgiveness is a little bit like that. Every time I think of whatever happened in the past that caused me pain, I'm pulling on the rope. And when I think, they deserve to do this, I should get them back for that, they don't deserve to be forgiven, I am yanking on that rope and that bell is banging, banging, banging. But when I forgive, when I choose to forgive... Then what happens is I let go of the rope. And every time the memory comes back, it still bangs for a while. But eventually, the banging stops. And the banging represents the pain. And the banging represents the anger. 
And the banging represents the blame. But by letting go of the rope, the anger and the pain and the blame, they get less and less and less. And the peace of God that passes all understanding and doesn't make sense comes in and it floods my heart and it floods my mind and it floods my life. And I walk in that place of rest that Jesus has promised us if we will swap our burdens with him. So I get to swap my pain with him and I accept his freedom and forgiveness. See, (coughs) Jesus made it possible that we could repent, that we could have a change of mind and heart and be forgiven ourselves. And he also made it possible to empower us to forgive other people. A lot of us think we don't have the capacity to forgive. I want to tell you, you do. If you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you have the capacity to forgive. He has given that to us. We need to step into it. We need to go to him and go, Jesus, I I just don't know how to even start forgiving this person. They've done something horrendous on me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. I know you tell me to forgive, but I don't want to forgive. I don't feel like forgiving, and they don't deserve it. But I know you want me to forgive, so help me. Do you know what? He will. He will. Because following God's ways is what brings happiness and it brings real security and it brings inner peace. Please don't let unforgiveness and blame stand in your way for having those things. They're available for you. God wants you to have them. But unforgiveness will stop it. You know when we did the other ones, we did worry and we did fear and we did darkness, I asked you to think of something specific to pin this on to. So I'm going to ask you to do the same thing today. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. One, is unforgiveness messing up your life at the minute? Is it derailing it? Is it affecting how you're with yourself? Do you find yourself in the evenings or in the days or at night time lying there going over and over and over in your head how you, this person did this wrong and, you, and you're reliving the pain? Is, is that continuously going on for you? Is that how life is for you? Then I want to ask you second the question. Who do you need to forgive? Who is that person? What are you going to do about it? What will you do with this knowledge? Forgiving isn't about other people. It's about you. It's not for other people. It's for you. It's not about forgetting, but it is about learning how to remember without being angry. Excuse me, it is about learning how to remember without feeling the pain. It is about learning how to remember without it consuming you. I want to tell you from personal experience, this works. I have been through some crazy times, some very painful times. And at the time when it was going on, I couldn't even think about it without being, oh, Mad, want to really like hurt people, get people back, do awful things. But God has brought me to a place where I can actually remember those things and not feel that way about those people anymore. In some ways, I can actually, this sounds really mad, I can be grateful for some of the really bad things that have happened in my life because they've made me be able to do the things I'm able to do now. 
God made me into the person I am. A lot of times through the pain. Forgiving isn't about approving what happened in your past. It's about choosing to rise above it. A man called Smead said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then to discover that the prisoner was you. <coughs> the worst prison we can be in is one that we don't even know we're locked up in. You know, Nelson Mandela said the biggest battle he had coming out after 27 years in prison, his biggest battle was not with apartheid. His biggest battle was with unforgiveness. He had to fight to bring forgiveness into his life and then to bring it into all the people that he was going to lead because he knew the healing of his nation rested in the forgiveness of the past. He said that when you choose to forgive those who have hurt you, you take away their power. He was the man who said resentment is like drinking poison and expecting it will kill your enemies and hoping it will. Do you know unforgiveness is now classified as a disease in a medical book? Forgiveness therapy is now being used to treat people with cancer. It's been ascertained in the States that 61% of cancer patients have forgiveness issues. There was a man called Dr. Michael Barry who did a research project called the Forgiveness Project, and he discovered 61% of people with cancer have forgiveness issues. This stuff eats you up from the inside out. Bitterness has roots, and they destroy you. They take your peace away, they take your happiness away, they take your future away. A man called Dr. Maraboli said, forgiveness is a reflection of loving yourself enough to move on. Without forgiveness, life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. People that don't forgive always return back to the past. Martin Luther King said, we have to develop the capacity to forgive. Because if you don't have a capacity to forgive, you don't have a capacity to love. And at the end of the day, forgiveness is the easiest way to find happiness. People in this world want to be happy. Most people in this world are holding on to grudges. And it's stopping them being happy. Joyce Meyer, very, very kind of famous Christian author and speaker, was dreadfully abused as a child. Dreadfully abused. Her father sexually abused her for years. And she got to a place in her life where she realized the resentment that she was carrying because of what had happened by her father, which was wrong. No way saying any of it was right. It was wrong. But she realized that resentment that she was carrying actually stopped her from being able to go on into the destiny and the future that God had for her. So she needed to step into a place of forgiveness. Now, imagine what that took. But look at the life the lady is living. She is teaching thousands upon thousands of people every year of how to live a life of positivity, a life of blessing, a life of moving on, a life of destiny. But she had to go through her own stuff first. And the place where she got from being trapped to being free was the place of forgiveness. T.D. Jake said, I think the first step is to understand that forgiveness does not exonerate the perpetrator. It liberates the victim. It's a gift that we give to ourselves. Here's a few points about forgiveness I just want to say as we're heading towards wrapping this up. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I still remember everything that have ever happened to me that I needed to forgive. It just doesn't have any power over my life anymore. 
Forgiveness is not asking people to forget. God has the power to forget. He said, I will not remember your sins. I will cast them for as far from the east as to the west. And I will not remember them anymore against you. I will forgive you for them and I will forget them. But I am human and I don't have that ability. I remember what people did on me. But because of the grace of God and because of the capability of being able to forgive them, I have been able to remember that now without the pain and without a tying me up in knots and with me being able to go on and still live my life. Forgiveness is not for other people, it's for yourself. Louise Hay said, forgiveness is for yourself because it frees you, it lets you out of the prison that you put yourself in. Forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. Forgiveness is the first step towards healing and happiness. Forgiveness is not weakness, it's strength. Mahatma Gandhi said, strong people forgive, weak people aren't able to forgive. It is not about weakness, forgiving people. It is actually something of strength. It is the strength of God inside of you that can set you free. Forgiveness does not change the past, but my God, does it make a difference to your future? Forgiveness cannot change your past and it can change mine, but it can create a future for you that you would not believe. And unforgiveness will trap you in a past of pain and bitterness and regret. Unforgiveness holds you back. <clears throat> you know what unforgiveness is like? It's like having a fire and going over and thinking, I can see a man over there, he's the guy who did that on me, I want to get him back, and I'm going to go over to that fire and I'm going to pick up a piece of coal and I'm going to throw it at him and set him on fire, and hopefully he'll burst into flames, and I'll just sit here delighted that he's burning up because he deserves to burn because he did all of that on me. So I go over and I pick up the piece of coal, and guess what happens? I burn the hand out myself. I never get to throw it at him because my own hand has been burned. Unforgiveness does that to us. We burn up while the other person is okay. I remember one time I sat with a young girl in a drug project out in Darndale. And it was a story of unforgiveness and she had really, really, really been hurt by this person. And her words were, I can't forgive him. I just can't forgive him. And she was trapped in this place. And one day we were speaking and I said, and, and do, you still, do, you, do you still meet him? She said, oh yeah, he lives in the estate. I know who he is and blah, 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 blah. And I said, and, and have you met him lately? She said, no, 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 he's not around the last two weeks. And I said, no, do you know where he is? And she said, yeah, he's on holidays. He's in Spain somewhere. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Do you think he's lying on a beach in Spain worrying about the fact that you're over here not forgiving him? Or do you think he's getting on with his life? And she waited for a second before she answered. And I won't tell you what she said because she was cursing like a trooper. But it dawned on her that she was the one in the prison, not him. Her words were, I'm not letting him off the hook. But her realisation was that she was the person on the hook, not him. She was the one who needed to forgive and I want to say forgiveness is not, forgiveness anywhere in the world people will tell you it's good to forgive because it sets you free. But Jesus told you it was good to give, forgive because the Father will forgive you and because you are already forgiven. We are commanded to forgive. 
And you know what? God tells us many things that are commands that may be hard to do, but he does it because they're the right things to do and because they are the good things for us to do and they're the things that give us the life that he wants us to have, which is the best life that we could possibly have. And when Jesus tells us to forgive, it's not just to try and make our life harder, it's actually to make our life better. <coughs> In Colossians 3, 13, it says, Bear each other's Wear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. We are to forgive. God tells us to forgive. But he tells us to forgive because of all of this stuff I might have been talking about. Because it's good for us. It sets us free. We don't end up in a trap. We're not in prison. We're living in freedom like Jesus wants us to live in. And Matthew says, but if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your sins. Anyone sitting here got everything perfect that you don't need forgiveness for? I certainly don't. I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness from God. I fail him every day. I need forgiveness from my wife and my family because I failed them. I think we're human. We're going to mess up. We don't do it on purpose all the time, but we're going to mess up. And we need forgiveness. But we need to sow what we want to reap. We need to give forgiveness as well. And God says, if you don't forgive, then he won't forgive Ephesians says, get rid of all your bitterness, your rage and your anger, your brawling and your slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Jesus Christ, God, forgave you. Jesus came and made a way so we could be forgiven. And he did it so that we wouldn't just keep that forgiveness for ourselves, but we would share it. Mark eleven twenty five. and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And then when the lads asked Jesus, how do we pray? And he taught them how to pray. This is what he said. This then is how you should pray. It's in Matthew 6, 9 to 15. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I want to finish this with just one other little piece. And this is, as hard as it may be to forgive other people, sometimes the hardest person in the world to forgive is yourself. Sometimes the hardest sins to overlook are your own ones. Sometimes the hardest shortfall, the hardest mistakes to forgive are the ones that we make. Sometimes we talk about ourselves in ways we would never talk about other people. Sometimes we say, how could I be so stupid? How could you be this? Something I've done for years, call myself all kinds of names, say all kinds of things. And a bit like I spoke about a few weeks ago, saying what the devil and what fear would say about me instead of saying what God says about me. Because even when I make a mistake, I'm still God's child. 
Even when I sin, I am still God's child. He forgives me. I'm called to go back to him and say, I shouldn't have done it. But I don't have to live in a prison of unforgiveness, even unforgiveness towards myself. And you don't have to live in that place either. Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus came to make a way for you and for me to be forgiven. He came to make a way so that we could have a relationship with him and his Father in heaven. In Colossians he said, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And Ephesians says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The riches of God's grace. We have. Do you remember the start of this whole series was about us going to God with our stuff and doing a swap shop. And Anaxis says this, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So if you've been living in a space where you have sin or you have people who have sinned against you, if you've been living in a place where you are caught up in the bondage of blaming other people or blaming yourself, And you've been living in a prison. And I want to ask you to go back to that question I asked you earlier on. Has unforgiveness derailed your life and who do you need to forgive? And I want to ask you right this minute, wherever you are, to sit with God and just go, Lord, help. Because I need forgiveness and I need to forgive. And right now, me, Brian Kelly, as a human being, is struggling to do that. But your spirit living inside of me, Philippians tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That includes forgiving other people and forgiving ourselves. And if we are willing to do that, and you know, repentance is not about some big, huge spiritual thing. It's about I'm walking in one direction and now I'm going to walk in another direction. For the last... 50 years I have remembered what this person done on me in school and I'm not letting him off the hook for that and I'm going to hold that grudge till the day I die and I'm never going to forgive him. You're in a prison. You're trapped. You know what repentance says to do? Just turn the other way. Just start walking in a different direction. Just go, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to forget. I'm not going to forget about it. I'm going to forgive it. I'm going to go, yeah, he did something on me. He shouldn't have done it. But I'm going to let it go because I want to walk in freedom. And you have that choice today, right this minute, to swap your blame and your bondage for forgiveness and freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, well, then you have a chance today to give your life to him, to bring your life full of whatever is in it. And I have no idea what's in your life. But if you've got sin in your life, and sin is only stuff that you're doing that's keeping you out of relationship with God. But Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood on the cross so that anything that we do could be washed 
that we could be clean and we could come into God's presence and we could be the children that he wants us to be and we could be blessed the way he wants to bless us. So if you don't know Jesus today, he is a simple prayer away and all you got to do is go, God, I know I messed up. The scripture, the spiritual stuff to say I'm a sinner. You can use that language. You can just go, God, I am messed up. Jesus, I need you today. I need you to come and change me. I need you to come and set me free. I want to exchange my bondage of blame and my bondage of hurt and my bondage of grudge keeping and my bondage of unforgiveness and I want to step into the freedom that you have for me. I want you to forgive me. I want you to help me forgive myself and I want you to help me forgive others. Please. So that I can be who you called me to be. You are God's masterpiece. You are his chosen children. You are his loved ones, his prized possession. He cares about you. He came and died for you and for me. So today, my prayer for you is that you will swap. And you will leave blame and bondage with Jesus. And you will pick up his yoke, which is light, and his burden, which is easy. And you will walk in forgiveness, and you will walk in freedom. In the name of Jesus, I pray. So, Father, I just ask you to bless your children. I pray that today, and as this week goes on, that your peace and your just kindness and goodness will wash over them. And that they would know from this day forward that they do not have to live in unforgiveness anymore but they can live in freedom. And I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace. Amen.